1: everyone, welcome to another episode of the show about science. This is your host, Snape. And this intro is going to be a bit smaller than usual, because today we're talking about nanotechnology. What's that? Well, let's meet today's guest and find out. So, hi. Hello. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure, uh, my name is Mark Hersam. I'm a professor of material science and engineering at Northwestern University. Uh, my research is in the area of nanoelectronic electronic materials. Uh, I've been at Northwestern for almost 19 years, and before that, I was a PhD student at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. I also worked at IBM, T.J. Watson Research Center, uh, before joining Northwestern.
1: So, I'm really excited to have you here in the show about Science Studio to talk about nanotechnology. So, like, how did you get interested in all this?
2: Yeah, when I was in college, uh, as an undergraduate, I uh, had a professor, Professor Joe Leiding, and uh, he introduced me to the scanning tunneling microscope. The scanning tunneling microscope is the world's highest resolution microscope and it allows you to image atoms but what's even more amazing about this microscope is it allows you to manipulate atoms you can move atoms around into patterns which to me was remarkable because when I was a kid Mm. you hear about atoms in class you look at textbooks where you learn about atoms but they're always cartoons you never get to see the atoms Uh. and this microscope allows you to see them to move them around
1: all right, quick question. Yep. What does an atom look like?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so in the scanning time microscope, it, it really just looks almost like a small ball. But the geometry or the, the spacing and arrangement of the atoms varies from material to material. Ah. And so, yeah, this ability to sort of manipulate materials at that length scale is uh, extremely enabling for almost any technology. So what was sort of remarkable to me is electronics have always been driven by miniaturization. And that's why you know, your phone gets increasingly powerful with time because you make the devices smaller and smaller. And this, this microscope allowed us to look into the future of electronics.
1: So, let's talk a little bit about nanotechnology. Where should we start?
2: Yeah, we should probably start by talking about the prefix nano. Uh, what does that mean?
1: I think it means, like, small?
2: It is small. Agreed. Okay. <laughs> so, it's a prefix that means one billionth, and it's referring to a nanometer, which is one billionth of a meter. To put that in some context, uh, strand of hair is about 100,000 nanometers. So nanometers 100,000 times smaller than a strand of hair. Ah. Very small about the size of a DNA molecule.
1: I see. So when doing research for this episode, I heard a lot about graphene and graphite. Can you talk about those and maybe how they're related?
2: Right, so Graphite is a material you probably uh, worked with before. It's pencil lead. Yeah. And one, one thing you know about uh, graphite is that it rubs off very it does. easily. And that uh, rubbing off of graphite is how you produce graphene. Graphene is one atom ah. thick sheet of graphite.
1: So, like, if it's one atom thick, how can you see it?
2: Yeah, uh, it would be difficult to see uh, with your naked eye, uh, but you can use high-resolution microscopes, and uh, that allows you to observe graphene.
1: So, like, how does graphene work, and how can it be, like, so strong?
2: Yeah, so graphene has a very strong chemical bonding in plane, sort of uh, parallel to its surface, uh, but very weak bonding out of plane. Uh. And that's why graphene can be slid off uh, from graphite because it's very weak bonding between uh. the layers. But within the layers, the bonding is exceptionally strong and that in part leads to its mechanical strength.
1: So, like, let me get this straight. If you go to the side, that bonding is, like, really strong, some of the strongest in the world, but if you go up and down, it's like pretty weak bonding.
2: You got it. Absolutely.
1: All right. And
2: this allows you to peel away the layers relatively easily, and that's uh. how we get down to graphene from graphite. Uh.
1: What would it take to pierce the really strong bonding of graphene?
2: Yeah, so the, the analogy which is often given is if you had a very sharp tip like a needle and you had an elephant balancing on top of it, that amount of pressure is the amount required to penetrate through graphene.
1: You mean a plastic elephant, right?
2: No, like a real elephant. That's how strong graphene is.
1: Okay. (laughs)
2: Amazing, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. It's like a super material. Absolutely. So what are some uses for graphene?
2: Yeah, so one thing that's interesting about graphene is that it's very inert chemically by that I mean you can put it in very harsh conditions and it won't decompose and one place where that's important in everyday life is inside of a battery inside batteries we have very caustic very uh, acidic environments and graphene is very stable under those conditions so we actually use graphene as part of the electrodes and batteries
1: so like how do you make graphene
2: Yeah, there's a few ways of getting there. The easiest one to understand uh, is starting with graphite. If I had some way of peeling it away down to one atom thick, I would get graphene. The first time it was ever done, it was done with scotch tape. They took a piece of scotch tape and literally peeled off a layer. And the scientists who did that won the Nobel Prize in physics because they were the first to isolate graphene. Very simple, very simple. But in a more uh, scalable manner, we can do this in solution. We put graphite into appropriate. So like liquid, yeah was it
1: like, let's just put a piece of scotch tape on this. We did it.
2: Amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. How like something so simple could be the actual right way.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. They basically took pencil lead and scotch tape and won the Nobel Prize.
1: So, what exactly are carbon nanotubes?
2: Yeah, so carbon nanotubes are, are one example of uh, nanomaterial that's used in electronics. Uh, specifically, it's a cylindrical or tubular form of carbon that's about one nanometer in diameter and can be hundreds of nanometers in length.
1: What could they be used for?
2: So there's many uses for them. The one that we focus on is electronics. Uh. And one thing that's happened in electronics over the past few decades is that the individual devices in the integrated circuit have gotten smaller and smaller and are now approaching the nanometer scale. So a carbon nanotube is ideal because it's already at that length scale.
1: So, like... I'm just going to propose an idea, put it out there for a different kind of nanotube. What if you took some graphene and rolled it up to make a graphene nanotube?
2: Yeah, so you actually are pretty darn close to reality. The structure, the bonding on the surface of a carbon nanotube is the same as that in graphene. And so if you did have a means of cutting out a rectangle from graphene, and you could roll it up, you would get a carbon nanotube.
1: Wow. So basically, a carbon nanotube is graphene rolled up. So is it, like, about the same thickness as graphene or, like, a different thickness?
2: Yeah, so if you think of the carbon nanotube as a cylinder, it's hollow, and the surface of that cylinder is graphene.
1: So, like, what if you took some graphite, and then put it in the middle of a carbon nanotube, would you, like, I mean, not graphite, graphene, would you just, like, get graphite all over again?
2: If you could uh, take graphene and stack it up, then you could return to graphite, as long as the layers are aligned.
1: Do you know of, like, any other, like, sort of nanoparticles?
2: Yeah, there are many, many nanoparticles. uh, Almost every element in the periodic table and combinations of them exist in nanometer scale form. Some are particles more like balls. Some are tubes like the carbon nanotube. Some are sheets like graphene. And so there's uh, almost endless possibilities.
1: If kids are interested in nanotechnology, how can they learn more?
2: There's a number of resources out there So, at uh, Northwestern University, we have a nanotechnology institute and that institute has online resources and a lot of opportunities on campus to come learn more about nanotechnology.
1: Thank you for being on the show.
2: My pleasure, thank you for having me.
1: There you have it folks, the show about science is complete. Our theme song was written by Jeff Dan and Teresa Brooks. Okay, Dad, you can shut the recording off. Hi, everyone. Before you go, one teeny tiny nano, you could say, request. If you're a fan of the show, please leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show about science.
0: Thanks. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old, and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.